Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have you with us in this part of the service. Uh, if you are at home watching or wherever you are logging in online, we're glad to have you. If you are sitting in the plaza right now watching this, obviously we're doing something different today. Uh, this morning what I've done is we've invited a couple members of our teaching team uh, to join me to have a conversation about Romans chapter 14. And we've been talking about uh, this series called Thinking Biblically. And where we're at at this point is a couple weeks ago, we looked at righteousness, what it meant to have right relationships with one another and with God, essentially treating each other as if they're in the image of God. Uh, last week, we looked at the idea of justice and not just treating people fairly, but this restorative justice. And, and you know, the truth is, even in this last week, we're all given an opportunity to practice these two principles in our lives. In our country, again, we're seeing some more uh, kind of turmoil and a feeling of injustice. And it's a great opportunity for us as Christians in the church to listen, to learn, and to love, and to selflessly give of ourselves for others. And so uh, I know it's been a challenge for a lot of uh, you out there this week and some of your friendships, and, and there's a lot of hurt by some members of our community, and we want to continue to model what uh, a selfless love of Jesus looks like, to care about the other uh, to use, if you are in a position of influence, a position of power, to use that for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so uh, we've been going through the series and already given opportunities to practice this. If you missed last week and, and the Sermon on Justice, I encourage you to, to tune in, to watch that, to be challenged by that, and to understand our posture as a church. But so we, uh, we want to start today and launch from this Micah 6.8, a verse that we looked at last week. It said, He has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So that idea of the action is to do justice, but to love mercy, that Hebrew word chesed, that loving kindness, grace, to love loving kindness of God and to walk humbly with God is our posture. And when I look at those, that's really just demonstrating this selfless life. This life that says, I'm about the other. It doesn't have to be about me. It's seeing a person. And so today, when we have this conversation, really what we're talking about is this radical, selfless life that was the way of Jesus. And it's probably the most difficult part of walking with Christ is to completely uh, give up of my rights and what I want for the sake of another. And not only are we called to do that in our community, but really... There's this challenge that we're going to look at today of what, the, what does that look like within the church? When we have differences of opinions, when, you know, it's a political season, some people are in Seacoast are going to vote very differently when, it, when November comes. Some people will pick up the news each day and interpret the events very differently. Uh, some people are, we're going through a season of coronavirus and we have two different perspectives or probably more than that, but at least two different perspectives on every single uh, set of same information. And so how in the church can we practice this last part of it, of this humility and loving mercy and really walking humbly with God for the good of, an, of, of the other? So that's what we're going to look at today. And, you know, as we, before we even dive into this, Dale, you were, we were talking the other day and you're saying even in your own family, you have three grown kids, all married, they all love Jesus, uh, involved in their church. Yep. But even there, there's differences of opinion when it comes to politics really? and things. Oh, I, I can't believe that. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. you didn't raise them right. But, uh, <laughs> no, so how, 
what does that practically look like in your family when you have differences of opinions, but there's this love for one another? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we love each other. Um, we're not a perfect family. We, we weren't perfect parents, and we don't have perfect kids. So let's take that all off the table. But we are blessed that by the grace of God, we have three adult children. They're all married, uh, and um, they all grew up being encouraged to pursue one highest value, and that is to love Christ and love his church and hopefully still like their mom and dad, okay? Uh, but to love Christ, love his church, and live to please him, not us, but live to please him. And that's great until they actually become young adults and they start thinking for themselves. And, and you start bumping into these issues that we're going to look at in Romans 14, which are, you know, on the issues where scripture is clear, we have pretty good unity in our family. But on the issues where scripture gives freedom and it's not spelled out exactly what to do, um, like a lot of stuff going on today, um, what is the best approach to dealing with this pandemic, for example? We've got differences of opinion and uh, we need to learn how to love each other through that. And that's really, I think, where Romans 14 has helped us. But yeah, you can raise kids to love God, love Jesus, love the word of God, and they will still disagree on contemporary issues. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, we see that played out. I think most people would agree in their own homes, certainly in the workplace, the neighborhood. So this is very relevant. Uh, another member of our teaching team is here, Haley Bennett. And Haley, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about an experience that you had. You spent some time living overseas in Central Asia, working for the International Justice Mission, actually working uh, to combat human trafficking, and, and in particular with young women there. And, you know, but you were faced with working with other Christians, but in an environment where sometimes even just their cultural, what some of the things that they accepted were kind of contrary to even scripture and how did you live in that tension and and love feather, fellow brothers and sisters in christ through that what did that look like for you yeah living um living over there was so interesting because i think every culture has its blind spots and its way of way of doing things that that's just how you do it that's how you're raised that's how you think because that's what your parents did and how they thought. And coming from America over there enabled me at least to see, see things from a different perspective. Um, and yeah, it certainly wasn't everybody or looking at the church in particular, it wasn't every church, but the caste system was one of those things that was um, surprising to me of just how ingrained it was in the Christian church as well. Um, and yeah, I think the, um, with the caste system, there's, you know, the social structure and it's all about where do you fit into the social structure and you don't associate with people that are lower than you and you treat people poorly if they're below you. And it's all about trying to hold on to your own socioeconomic status. And so there's a lot of entitlement there and um, within the church, ironically, the things that are spelled out in James 2, they literally do that. Hmm. Um, 
exactly what the Bible tells them not to, they do that in the church. And so, yeah, I think going over there, I personally had to work through some anger towards all of that. Um, and that's a situation where you know, some of the stuff is spelled out in the Bible. So it's, you know, it's wrong. Um, there's no question about that. But um, I also had to come to grips with the fact that to live in that society and to truly um, be there and serve there, um, I had to be willing to still be in relationship with people. And like you said, living in that tension, um, being willing to say, you know, I see something that's wrong, but that's not all that I see. And that's not who you are. There's so much more to who you are. And still seeking that relationship and that friendship. Um, and yeah, in the end, it is even just doing that is so humbling. Um, and I felt very humbled, but there's so much blessing that came out of that too. Yeah. So Haley, it sounds like even in situations where you see uh, an issue that is sinful, such as being prejudiced against people, whether it's racism because of the color of their skin or whether in your situation where you were, skin color's the same, but it's a, it's a, it's a caste system. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it sounds like that sometimes we're still called to have to be patient. I mean, the goal may be to help them grow into understanding how their faith changes all that. Mm -hmm. But you gotta meet them where they are and love them where they are and love them into the truth as opposed to coming on with a spirit of pride instead of humility, kind of declaring that, don't you see this is wrong? Is that, is that yeah. what you experience? Because you spent a lot of time with them. Yeah, I think that's so well said. And meeting them where they're at, um, yeah, there's something about true relationship where you're really opening your heart up to all of who they are. Um, that I think is so key to that. And you have to be willing to accept them where they're at to then point them in a different direction. Um, and I think if I look at the Lord in my own life, he is so gentle with me. And I think that gentleness, that kindness, um, it's difficult because there's so much tension in that, but yeah. that's where change can happen and where that love happens right yeah, yeah. well it's a good start let's jump into romans 14 because really what we're talking about today is is what does this look like then to walk with one another in some of the tension some of the differences and i think paul writes it pretty well uh very well obviously and here romans 14 it's writing specifically to a church who's dealing with a couple issues. The main one is there's differences of, of what they think is okay to eat. It could have to do with just traditions. It could have to do with their food that might have been sacrificed to idols, as he talks about in, other, in, in the book to Corinth. But so it could be what they eat. It's what days they think holy, are holy or not. Essentially what he's talking about is, hey, there's issues that you guys are seeing it differently, but they're not the central issues of the faith. And so how do we live in, with one another in that? So Dale, why don't you just uh, tell us, just kind of walk through, what is the main point here? Is it start off in the first 
you know, really the first six verses when he's setting up this this issue, what's the instruction, uh, the first point that we can see here? Yeah, right. Uh, the first, very first phrase he lays out in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, is now accept one another. He starts talking about accepting one another. Uh, the other commands that begin to flow out of this is stop passing judgment on one another's opinions because it's dealing with areas of opinion. It's preferences, opinions, uh, cultural differences, um, not issues that are clearly defined in Scripture. Um, in, you know, so we're, we're beginning to move into that, the conflicts we have within the church, uh, whenever we're having to make decisions about stuff that the Word of God does not say, do this or don't do that. And as he as he wades into this, the key words are accept one another, uh, stop judging one another, uh, don't look down on one another or hold one another with contempt. Um, and to do it, uh, respecting the fact that, uh, as he says in verse four, uh, each one of us need to answer to our own master and it's not one another, it's Christ. So we have one common master that we will all answer to. So we need to give each other the freedom to uh, prayerfully follow our own convictions, our own conscience, uh, because at the end of the day, we wanna be pleasing to him, to Christ, even if we don't please one another. He's the one we answer to. Hmm. Yeah, I, I see that challenge in there. And um, I think, Haley, we were talking, that earlier about this and, and you have that okay I get the don't judge one another I get that part but then it's like don't hold your brother or sister in contempt that starts to become a more challenging thing um, yeah how do you see that or what how does that challenge you when you read that hmm. for me yeah I think holding somebody in contempt um, is more of the the silent I'm still, I'm still gonna hang out with you. I'm still gonna go with, go with the flow, but your heart isn't in it yet. You're not allowing your heart to really welcome, um, as my translation says, to mm. really embrace who that person is. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I think of um, contempt too, in this context, it. You know, you've kind of got some people who feel they have more freedom to do whatever it is that the disagreement is uh, is about. Uh, they, and, and the person with more freedom tends to look at the person who's more strict um, and say, you know, you just aren't mature enough to understand your freedom. So we're really looking down on them. We're not approaching it with humility, but we're judging them as not as mature as we are. Um, and then on the other side, you've got people that are more strict, taking a, a harder line, a harder, more restrictive view, um, feeling that, no, you're wrong when you do that, whatever it is. And, uh, and that's a different form of judgment. But in both cases, they're both rooted in pride when Micah says we're to walk humbly with our God and with one another. Uh, so it's really sin 
to either be judging one another, looking down on one another, as opposed to not giving each other freedom yeah. and respecting the right we have to disagree. Yeah. And to me, when I read that contempt too, it kind of has to do with your heart too. When, when, that, when you're with that person or not with that person, what's your heart saying about them? Is it, fine, I'm not judging you, but I really don't like you, or I think that you're you know, off your rocker and I can't, you know, uh, it, it deals with the posture of your heart, which then you get into verses seven and eight, and there's just kind of the reason why or how to apply this, these first few verses. It says, for not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself, for if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. And so it seems as if what Paul's really saying is the key here is to understand that your life in Christ is about the kingdom of God now. It's not about your kingdom and, and you're not, you don't have to live for yourself. And when you're not living just for yourself, you don't, ha you don't get caught up in needing to be right or being justified or being validated because we're living for the Lord and, and, and his principles. So as we go on with the passage, uh, we move into, you know, really all the way down to verse 12. Paul kind of unpacks what that looks like to live for the Lord. Verse 12 says, so then each one will give an account to God him, or of himself to the God. In other words, I, I don't have to give an account of myself to Dale. I don't have to give an account of myself to Haley. I don't have to give an account of myself to my wife most of the time. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's we're living for the Lord and, and it's, it's his kingdom, essentially, is what Paul's saying. And then he goes into the next thought there in verse 13. Therefore, let's not judge one another anymore. Uh, and, and all the way really down to verse 16. Haley, talk to us a little bit about this little section. And what do you see there as the next challenge for us? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it talks about do not put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And so it's not just about judgment and contempt, but also actually, you know, putting a stumbling block in that person's life. Um, and I think verse 15 really brings light into what the stumbling block is. Um, it says, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Mm. But what you eat, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ has died. Mm. And I feel like it's this crazy perspective shift of, mm. You know, this thing that I may think is so important to me to eat this really juicy steak that was sacrificed to an idol, but I got a good deal on it. Mm. And to want to eat that in the midst of a brother who feels very convicted that that is wrong mm. um, is putting a stumbling block in their way. And where I might be tempted to say, well, it's my freedom and I know it's okay. Mm. Um, this verse is saying, you know, but in the end, it's about Christ. And Christ loves that person so much that he died for that person. Surely we can, you know, abstain and have mm. grace on where that person is at mm. to not exercise your freedom in that moment. Mm. And so it's, I feel like it's just drawing everything out and getting this big picture of what's actually going on and what is actually important in this situation. And verse 17 in the end says, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
yeah, kind of summing up that perspective. It's like, it's not even about these little things. It's about God and living in Christ and living out that love. And so loving that loving kindness and loving to show that and walking humbly with God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and I love the way verse 15 touches it too, um, Haley, that when it says for, uh, for if you, if you just care about your own opinion, your own freedom, your own preferences, you're no longer walking according to love. Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, Jesus talks a lot about this, that we should be identified as believers by how we love one another well. And when you give up your preference for the sake of another person, or to give them respect, even when you disagree with them, again, on gray issues, not black and white issues, um, you're choosing to let love um, uh, reign. Um, I wasn't gonna say you're choosing to let love trump everything, but I didn't (laughs) wanna get political on you, okay? So anyway, but yeah, love really does rule the day, and it needs to govern, uh, it's the operative question. Is this going to love this person well uh, if I do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find in that verse 15 in particular that you both mentioned, that to me starts to be very kind of striking and challenging of the if because of food, according to the, uh, my version of NASB, because of something you want to eat, your brother or sister is hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. And yeah, it's, it feels convicting. And really, it's essentially saying, this is again this radical selfless life it's yeah you might have the right to this it might be yours but you should our preference should be to the other to one another this radical giving up of yourself which does not come naturally to anyone Um, and I, and I think you already got to verse 17, 17 through 19 says for the kingdom of God's not about eating and drinking but it's about righteousness it's about peace and joy in the Holy Spirit so again that right relationships it's about peace, which comes through the right relationship with God and from, with one another. And then joy, which comes from that right relationship with God and one another. But that happens in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And really, that's what the kingdom of God is about. Verse 18, as he continues on, uh, in, in verse 18 there, For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. And it's not saying, oh good, you got you're living for the approval of others. What it's saying is a life lived selflessly is one that no one can really, that no one has a problem with. No one can say, what's wrong with you? Or you're so selfish or you're so like, uh, uh, you know, against me. It's just, man, you're the type of person that there's just not, you're approved by all people because when we're seeking that righteousness and it's not seeking our own kingdom is what I keep seeing here. Yeah. Yeah, it's seeking the, the, the welfare of others. And, and it does take intentionality. Verse 19, right after yeah. that, says, so then. So, so let's cut to the chase, right? What do we do? Yeah. And uh, so then, pursue things that make for peace. Mm-hmm. How can I bring peace between these brothers or sisters or followers of Jesus who disagree politically, who disagree on the best strategy for dealing with... Uh, COVID-19, who disagree uh, on the best way the church can get back 
uh, into full operation. Uh, these are very practical things that the very best Christians are gonna disagree on. And if I think, am I pursuing peace and the building up of one another? Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm not pursuing always winning, getting my, getting, making sure it's done the way I think it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be a spirit of loving, peaceful uh, pursuit of things that build up one another. So we all grow in Christ. You know, I think one of the things that God wants to do, I think in my life, uh, in the midst of turmoil and disagreement within even our family or the church family, is how can I grow as a, as a, as a better lover of people? How can I grow in understanding how to listen better? I'm not a great listener. I've never been, that's never been my top, in my top three, okay? Hmm. May not be in my top 10, hmm. uh, especially if you ask me. Becky kids. said it was 15. Becky puts yeah. it way down low. <laughs> Actually with her, I've learned to do it pretty well because I have to. But the, the reality is, yeah, I, I need to grow in learning to love people by listening better and asking them questions and trying to understand why we disagree. And then maybe God uses that to help us both grow as Christ followers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it, one of the things I think is, uh, it's, it's such a good point of learning to listen. And, and the encouragement I would give to everyone who's listening and paying attention is, in doing this though, the posture should never be, I'm gonna listen to understand you well, so that I, now I can convince you and of win. why you're wrong and win. win. And again, this, this, there's this tension, this desire to be right and to win. It's so natural to us. And Haley, you're engaged now. So you'll be married soon. And, and I encourage you, don't always worry about winning um, all the time. And, and I, that's for Mike. I just said that for your fiance. But, <laughs> and, and again, but it's so natural even within the, our most closest relationships in a marriage with kids of, of ultimately like, yeah, I hear you, but <laughs> I want you to know that I'm right. And I would argue this passage, Paul would say, it's okay to walk away and to not have to be right. And it's okay to not win. And uh, recently, you know, Andy Stanley uh, posted a, a, a ser or gave a sermon to his church, and really it was um, win playing to lose. Um, and when we think about what Christ did in Philippians chapter 2, we're told, do nothing out of selfish ambition, ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have that same mindset that Christ had. And I think that's this mindset that Christ didn't come. Well, he actually came to win, but he won by losing according to the pattern of the world. And, and that's really what we're challenged to do. Jesus, again, says it in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, or the patterns of the world, essentially, they lord, the rulers lorded over their people, and their great men exercised authority over them. It's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first shall be your, your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life. And so really the way of Jesus is this way that says, I'm not in it to win. I'm in it to lose for your sake, to give up of myself. And that might mean 
it's okay if I walk away from a conversation and think I didn't convince them that my political views were right. In fact, I didn't even try because what I wanted to do is convince them that they matter to God and they matter to me. And, and, I, and I think in the church, we're given this great challenge that I think we're gonna have a lot of opportunity to practice in the next few months as we head up to a presidential election. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, even as this, I, I think as we kind of get to the end, I just, I kind of want to encourage the church. And so I'm going to look directly at the church for a moment uh, with this conversation. But, you know, when I, I think of this, um, many churches are wrestling with this issue, uh, this kind of Romans 14 freedom issue right now, where some churches, as it relates to coronavirus, have totally shut their doors and, and say, we're not going to open again until you know, January of 2021 at the earliest. There's some churches that are already meeting. They're inside, they're shoulder to shoulder. They're singing without masks. They're high-fiving and hugging. And, and they're approaching this very differently. And some are saying, hey, you need to do it like us. And the other churches saying, no, you need to do it like us. You're not being loving. No, you're not being loving. And I know the question that comes up, and I know it comes up because some of you have asked, um, is, well, what's our, are we going to stand with the churches that are taking a stand for their rights, or, or are we going to err on the side of caution? And I just want to encourage you as we continue to work out these plans, this is an area where we don't need to dig in and be right. And the churches that decide to do one way, hey, that is in their freedom. It's their conviction. We're going to trust their leaders have been praying and being led by the Spirit. And the churches who take a totally different approach, we're going to trust the same. And I feel like our response even to coronavirus and what we do with our churches reopening, we will fracture as individual churches, we'll fracture as the church in America if we have this posture that Paul is speaking against that says, we're right, you're obviously weak. Why are you leading out of fear? Why are you... Um, being selfish are you know the different accusations we see and the truth is it's this is a, a gray area and let's trust that god's leading the other churches i'm going to ask you to trust us as our elder board and leadership are praying and saying god how do we do this with wisdom and how do we do it in a way that is a witness to our community who cares about the health and safety of our members but also really cares about the health and spiritual life of the church. What, how do we balance all those? And I want to promise you something. I'm going to promise them that we will not make all of you happy, no matter what we say. Um, and I know that because I get equal amount of opinions on both sides. And, but this is a great opportunity for us to demonstrate what it means to say, I love you so much, I don't have to be right. And even though I want it this way, one way or the other, I love you so much that I can be wrong. That I love you so much that I can lose. Because Christ came not to win according to the pattern of the world. He did win. He defeated sin and death and changed everything. But that victory made it so we don't have to have these small victories. And when I look at this and I think of what's coming up, I think what a great opportunity for us to practice this week after week. Yeah, I mean, the greatest impact that we may have as a church is to model to the community and to the world that we will gather um, with our focus on Christ uh, to love one another, love Christ, and love the community. And we can gather 
in spite of our disagreements because of the big thing we do agree on, yeah. which is loving God, loving Christ, and loving one another matters more than doing it the way I think it needs to be done. Yeah. Because it's okay to disagree and still gather and love each other and pursue, as verse 19 says, the things that make for peace and the building up of one another. We can do that. Absolutely. I also think it's a lot harder to do it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. a much greater challenge than to just stay in our own groups and judge or just do our own thing. But um, it's a lot more challenging, but a lot more fruitful. Mm. And so I think it will yield something that's very lasting. Yeah. Yeah. And as we close here and end, I think that such great words are such a great reminder. And, you know, when Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by how by your love for one another. Um, and I think our community needs to see what love looks like. And uh, they see what trying to be right looks like. They see what trying to win looks like. And they see what divisiveness looks like. And this is a great opportunity for Seacoast. Uh, our, our goal is to help people discover life in Christ. That's why we exist. And as we do that, there's a great opportunity for us to reach people for Christ this year and to model that in the family of God, there is peace, there's joy, there's these right relationships. And it's by the Holy Spirit. And it's not about us and our kingdom. So let's give up our kingdoms. Let's recognize now we don't have to be king. Jesus is on his throne. He's doing a great job, and let's live for him. So let me, let me pray as we end our time. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the challenge in your word. And, and the truth is, when we really look at it, it is always a challenge. And, and some might be listening and saying, oh, this is just basic information. But the truth is, if we really give up of ourselves for others, if we really say we want, God, that that other sense that we have such a love for them, that they're created in the image that we don't even have to be right. We don't have to win. We don't have to get our way. Lord, if we can live that way, that's the one of the most life-changing truths there are, and it's the most challenging thing. So would you empower our church to do that? Would you empower us, Lord, to, to do that for our community? Would you give us wisdom, Lord, even in, uh, as we look at a political season, as we're thinking about racial injustices? God, give us the wisdom to do this well. Give us the wisdom to lean in to, and to bring your kingdom into every space and not our kingdom. So we thank you and we give you this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Fade to black, worship. <laughs>